worship, just thank you again, worship team. Just uh, amazing. And I was too was undone in that song, Defender. You know, I, I was um, praying for us this morning as I was prepping, and God said to play a worship song, and it was that exact song defender that we've never sung in church before and so when that song came up on i was just a blubber i was just gone and crying because the faithfulness of god to want to meet with each one of us personally is is amazing and awesome and often so very very intimate and um he I just want to declare this right now as we start speaking this morning because I'm fairly aware of a lot of activity that's going on where um, the honest truth is we have an enemy who doesn't want us to know God. And that Defender song, that's what it talks about, that God goes away and he brings back the head of my enemy. He goes against the enemy to bring victory to us. And I'm very aware of what's going on in and around us and wanting to stop us from from actively pursuing God. And so I just want to declare right now the faithfulness and the goodness of God to actively pursue each and every one of us. That is what he is doing all the time. All the time. I mean, you can't fathom how often he is coming at you and loving on you and pursuing you in ways that you don't often understand and you don't even see. But he is faithful to each and every one of us to see us understand him and love him and to know him on a personal level. And so I'm declaring right now in in Jesus' name that God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are real They are real, alive, and they are actively moving with us this morning. Just had to get that out. I needed to get that out of my system before we start talking. All right. It's in that vein around the the knowledge of God pursuing us that I want to talk to you this morning. Today's not going to be a heavy teaching. Today's more about a testimony of God's pursuit, and I'm going to speak about me in three areas of my life, but as I do so this morning, my prayer is, and and I'm, I'm asking you to think about your own journey with God, and in order to help you, I'm going to get some helpers, Nate, you can help me out, and you can dob a few people in to help you out, mate, you gave my permission to do that. So everybody gets a piece of paper and a texter, or if people are bold enough and want to help Nate out, that would be really appreciated as well to do that quickly. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. And the texters. Michael, can Nope. Yep. It's just a sheet of paper. It's a tool for you today to just use as uh, you, you are felt and led by the Lord to write some stuff down. There's no test on this. It's, it's between you and God. So it's totally up to you today if you want to utilize that. I know what it's like sometimes to listen to us speaking up front for longer periods of time and, and concentrating. So I, sometimes just writing and, and, and it's a helpful tool to keep engaging and interacting. So um, that's there as a gift for you today. The texters are not. Can we get the texters back at the end? That'd be great. We'll keep the basket up the front somewhere. But... Um, Today I'm going to talk about the goodness and greatness and the faithfulness of God through my worldview and my bit of my story. And I said three areas that I want to talk to you about or I felt like God 
uh, wanted to talk about. They are, there's a little bit of vulnerability this morning, they are very, very personal to me. And I had to do a little bit of a double check a couple of times, thanks mate, just to ask God, is this, is this, what you, is this really what you want me to say and you want me to talk about? Because here's the other reality of a very intimate and personal God. He wants to be intimate and personal with you. So not everything that happens between you and God is for everybody else to know. He just likes to keep some things between you and him. And that's a really okay thing. Um, but it's my prayer today as I share some of my story. Um, God would remind each one of you of his great work in your life. And I want to say to those that might be here this morning and still exploring Jesus and who he is and, and what he's about it's okay to be here this morning and if you don't have anything to write down yet that's okay that's fully okay not a problem at all you are free just to listen to my story and hear about my testimony of how God's worked in my life and through my life that you may know that he is also actively pursuing you in the same ways that he wants to know you is that cool everybody okay good great so again it's just a tool there for you if you want to use it so I'm going to jump straight in this morning to the first life circumstance that I want to talk to you about. Nope. Did you do that or did I do that? You did it? <laughs> yeah, it's on. Anyway, we'll see how we go. Oh, no, there we go. Looks like I'm, I've got it. Yes, I've got it. Um, the first life circumstance for me, the reality of Jesus. Now, for me, the reality of Jesus and introducing himself came in a very, came to me in a, came, came, nope. Nah. Go, yeah, that's all right, leave that one up. In fact, you can move on to the next one if you want, Ezra, that'd be fine. So these are pictures up here of a place called um, Lawn down the Great Ocean Road in Victoria to all the motorcycle riders here. Um, you really need to put that on your bucket list. It's one of the great drives uh, along the Ocean Road winding between the Otray Ranges and on the other side of a cliff is the ocean often and lots of turns and steep inclines and all that kind of thing. It's just spectacular country. And when I was a kid, my grandparents constantly took me down to Lawn on school holidays. They had a van that my grandfather had fixed up. Uh, he'd gone and taken one of those old 70s vans and he'd refurbed it and, uh, and put it all together. And every holidays they would take me down. And if you know Lawn, just on the other side of the, the bridge that you enter in and over the river, which is part of that river, you... Um, just go into a caravan park and so we would be there every school holidays that we could be it's right beside this river it was just the most beautiful spot um, to be and as a young child um, I, I would just love it as I would just wake up in the mornings and you'd either hear the lyrebirds calling or the kookaburras um, calling out but if they were quiet you could literally hear the sound of the river rolling around rocks as you woke up in the morning. It was just spectacular, and it still is. But behind the caravan park, there was this secret trail. We always like to think it was secret, that nobody else knew about it. Um, we definitely know the tourists didn't know about it. But um, we would, uh, 
We would go, it was about a couple of hundred metres back and it was in the days where a seven to ten year old boy could still go up there and be somewhat safe um, on his own and I would go up the back there to the place we called the rapids. As you can see, raging torrent um, of water flowing down there. To a seven to ten year old when you couldn't jump very far, they were rapids and you got a little afraid. They actually did become rapids if the rains came hard enough, it would, you couldn't cross walk across um, that area. It's harder to see in the photos, but that, that area, that's the left one is looking up and the top one, the right one is looking down the rapids. It's a, it's a good couple of hundred metres long and it would be at least a hundred metres wide or so of two um, rivers coming together and the water flowing down. Just such a peaceful place to go and sit. And I, as a child, would go there and I would just camp out. I would jump rocks and put things down there and let it float down, see if I can get it all the way down the bottom, all just the things that kids do. But it was in that setting where, for me, Jesus became real. Because it was in that place where, you know, you reflect on it now as an adult, but something happened to me where my eyes and my senses just became alive to the wonder of creation around me, to the wonder of these trees and these birds and this beautiful water and the smell of the beautiful water, fresh water running down the rocks. And, and I, my, my spirit and my senses just became alive to the fact that even as a young kid, you know, I knew all the creation stories from the Bible because I'd been in church. So I'd heard all the stories about how God had created the earth. And so... It was in this moment in these times down at Lawn where it, Jesus became real. I knew that there was somebody far bigger than me that was in control of this world and loved me and that this thing that I was experiencing, this creation, was a gift. It was a gift. Even at a young age, I knew that. It's, it's kind of hard to describe, but, but, I, but I, I came alive to the fact that Jesus was real through his, the gift of his creation. And um, how can I say this? I'm like, some of you might say, well, well come on, how, you, you're, like, you're, you're 35 now. How can you possibly say that? <laughs> it nearly got that through. It nearly slipped through, didn't it? If you know my oldest age, you know that that's not true. <laughs> so add 10 and you'll be right. Um, so... You know, how can I say that as a middle-aged man? We'll go middle-aged man. There we go. Is that better, everybody? How can I say that as a... Am I tinny? Am I, I sound really... I feel like I sound tinny this morning. Am I okay? No, I'm all good. So how can I say that now as a middle-aged man? Because every single time I go back to that place, my spirit, I come alive again to the same thing. Now, it's not just childhood memories. It's something different. My eyes grow wider. I, I, I take in all the little things of creation. The smells become so alive to me again. And, and peace, thick like the humidity that we experience here in Queensland, washes over me. And that's what I experienced when I first understood that Jesus was real in my life. As I speak again, when did Jesus become real to you? When was that time? Remember, 
Remember the things of God of where he became real to you. I'm not necessarily talking about the time where you accepted him as your Lord and Saviour. It might be that and that's okay. That's great. But when was that time where you just went, yeah, you're real, aren't you? I need to really think about this seriously because you are real, Jesus. You're not just a story. You're not just a Bible story that I've heard as a child. You're not even just this fable or, you know, hope or wish that might be true and we might hit the mark, we might not hit the mark. No, you're real, Jesus. You are very, very real and you're trying to get my attention. When was that for you? Write it down. Write down that testimony of his goodness and faithfulness to you of when he became real. The second life circumstance, as you're doing that, when I began to understand my identity in the Father. So, fast forward to my youth and my young adult years, and I wish I could tell you, and it would have been nice, that if life circumstance one had occurred perfectly and everything was okay, that I'd be set for life, that everything made sense, that I got amazing grades at school, was the person everybody thought was cool at school, unlike Kirk, I know he was that guy, so you know, it's all sort of, <laughs> with the mullet and the, and the mo, yeah, that's true, and um, thought was cool, uh, met my childhood love that eventually became my wife and bought the big house and got my dream job. Well, it was quite the opposite. I got average grades. My parents divorced after I finished high school. I didn't have a girlfriend until my 20s. And I was the kid that you would likely see as a Facebook story today of how bullies can can impact the identity of a kid. I was known in my high school and literally across many years by a nickname that I hated and was constantly barraged with physical abuse because the nickname I was given centered around this then fun activity of the day to slap someone across the forehead. The teachers were old school and they did very little to support any kid that was bullied like this. Very little. Times have changed, haven't they? You know, you, um, you either have two choices in those kind of situations. You either Um, put up walls, really defensive walls, and often become either emotionally disengaged or you fight back. You you know, many kids themselves become bullies because they fight back. Um, For me, I was not a person that could become emotionally disengaged, and so what it did do to me is it began to affect my identity quite deeply. It messed with my understanding of who I was, And I really didn't like myself. And the reality is the enemy used that situation to suppress my understanding of God's love for me. He came at me hard. And although, again, I did not know at that time that God would come and save me and restore me from this. You see, it's really one thing to know that God is real. He accepts and loves you. It's, a, quite a le- it's quite another to let that become personal and define who you are. Let me say that again. It's one thing to know God is real and that he accepts and loves you. It's quite another to let that become personal and define who you are. 
because that's his full intention for every single person in this room and for all of humanity. And I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it's true. Each one of us was created in the image of God, in his likeness, and he designed each and every one of us to be in relationship with him. My identity was broken in my teenage years, but this is the story of God's goodness, right? And faithfulness. I got involved in a young adult intercessors group uh, run by a couple of um, people that some of you may know, Stephen Shelley Smith. Um, and this one night we were praying together, and I really hope I can get through telling you this story. We were praying together, and as we um, started, there was this time where we were inviting the Holy Spirit to come and, and be on us and t- show us the Father's love. And this one person yelled out, I see many of you meeting with the God, and he is revealing himself to you through visions. And as soon as they opened their words, opened their mouths, before they said visions, I was taken to a place like this. Um, that's the best picture I can get. I could get uh, online. It's still one of my pictures of a verse kind falls up at lawn. But I was taken to basically an area like a waterfall with a river. And beside that river was this beautiful patch of grass, uh, and it had a park bench on it. And in that area... Um, in that area where the Father and Jesus, I hadn't really had much of a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit as yet, but the Father and Jesus were on that park bench and they invited me to jump into the river and into the waterfall and just have a great time. It's taken me many years to realise, but God was actually using my childhood memories from when I found peaceful places like at Lawn that um, he put me back into that environment that I would know and love and would engage with him very quickly. Um, It was very kind of him. And I played in the waterfall and it might sound all goofy to some, some and that's okay because it was really personal to me that I could actually enjoy um, the Father's presence. Remember, my identity was shot. I had no love of myself much at all. And in this river I was having fun and all of a sudden I heard this, this chuckle happening. It was a low chuckle. And it was the Father and Jesus laughing at me in the water. But it wasn't, they weren't being derogatory, it was joy. They were actually happy to watch me enjoy their gift to me. And in that place, um, I said, I mean, I was sobbing at this stage as this prayer's going. I don't know how other people were concentrating on the Lord because I was just crying and crying and crying. And then all of a sudden the vision changed and I was on the park bench with the father and he got big. I mean, he got real big. My entire body was like in his forearm as I was sitting on this bench with him. And he pushed me in against his chest. And as he did, it was almost like I could hear his heartbeat. Like literally, almost, almost, like physically hearing his heartbeat. And all I heard were the words from him, no more. No more. Oh, gosh. I love you exactly the way you are. And it wasn't loud. It wasn't forceful. It was caring and it was kind. And it was... As if in those words there was, even in the, it didn't have to be loud because there was just such authority in that voice that 
nothing else mattered in, in terms of what was around me because suddenly the Father was speaking the truth of who I was in him, that he loved me for who I was, exactly who I was. I was sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> and I knew on that day that something broke off me. It's been, it was a long journey, though, for me to really come to a, you know, God's, you know, I say this and you, you only know what you know, right? But um, there may be more, but right now I'm, I'm okay with who I am. I really am. I'm okay. And um, last year at Christmas, we went down to our family. We are from Melbourne, so we went and visited family for Christmas. And my mum's moved into a lifestyle village. And wouldn't you know it, this lifestyle village is only about 200 metres from my own old high school that I attended. I love running at the moment. You wouldn't know it necessarily, but um, I do love my running. And I, um, I went out uh, on a run and the Lord said to me specifically, he said, go and run around your high school, around the perimeter of your high school. I'm like, I really don't want to do that. He's like, go and run around your high school. I got some things that I need you to do. So off I went, went trudging around the high school, around the perimeter, and all of a sudden, my heart broke for this school. The Lord came on me, and I'm pray all of a sudden, I'm praying and forgiving people for what they did to me at that school and forgiving the intention of the teachers and who they were at that time, and that suddenly, then it went even further, suddenly I've got joy for the school. I'm like, you've got intentions and plans for this school, Lord, and I'm releasing joy and hope that the teachers and others in the school, because it was meant to be a Christian school, by the way. I forgot to mention that, didn't I? Um, Christian school. And I'm like, no, Lord, this is your, I'm claiming it's your school. Let, let the identity of those that attend be strengthened and they would know you through this school. And I'm doing this three days the Lord said go and do it and by the third day I'm crying with joy not with sadness with joy for this school and all that God's going to do for it God is so good isn't he that he could take our circumstances and he can say this is not who you are but I'm going to come and meet you right in the middle of where you are and I'm going to switch it around for my glory and your <laughs> that you would know my goodness to you I got through it. I didn't think I'd get through that one. Thank you, Lord. So that was just another amazing time of what God had done in my life. The third one that I want to talk about quickly. No, I've got to point it that way, don't I? Um, God's pursuit of me. Life circumstance three. Freedom from religious activity through the Holy Spirit. Oh, so there's another part to my identity that formed over many years. I had grown up in a larger church in Melbourne, and I'm very, very thankful. I'm, you need to hear me clearly as I say that I love all of God's church, and I love all churches that love Jesus. And uh, my prayer is that they would continue to bring the kingdom into this earth through all that they do. I'm very thankful for that church because it helped my family through a lot of tough stuff. As you heard me say, my mum and dad divorced when I was just finishing school. And my brother and sister had to go through some things uh, to deal with that as well in their own personal life. And they loved us through that through, um, as a family, which was really great. But in that church, there was a real focus on sin management and activity for God. 
Now, the Bible is very clear that serving others is a core kingdom value. I don't want to look up John 14 and 15, and you'll hear Jesus speak of it very, very clearly. To not serve is to lack a key element of spiritual formation. So I'm going to park that one, but that's um, a truth of the kingdom. If you're not serving, then you are lacking a part of your spiritual formation. And, and it's really, take that as a, a bonus and, and go and pray about that if that just impacted you when I said that. But when you're involved in sin management requiring the, you know, this constant forgiveness of sins and managing, I'll put in inverted commas, the fact that we are bad and God is good and we have to continually ask for forgiveness for things that we did wrong in the last week. Um, like literally we would take communion every single week and part of the talk would be about the sins that we committed, forgive us, and, um, and then we would take communion together as a community. That would, that would happen literally every single week. Um, and when, you, when you're involved in that, and that's the continual message... There's always going to be a tendency to see yourself as having a real problem between you and God. That became the core or the beginning position between my relationship between God and I. He's good and I'm bad and I've got to continually deal with this sin management thing on an ongoing basis. It just always has to happen. I've always got to deal with it. Now, that led to a belief that I have to then do things that make, might somehow bring me a little bit closer to squaring the ledger up. So if I can do enough activities or I can serve faithfully and, and, all, and you know, give them my time and all those kind of things, then maybe it'll square the ledger up with God. And I, you know, I knew it would never fully square it up, but in part, maybe it'll get me there. Now, these are all about religious activities. So my relationship with Jesus became about attaining his approval through my effort and also the approval of others. Because if others approve what I was doing and how I was serving, then my God must have also been approving and liking what I was doing as well. Now, I say that was my journey for each one of us, maybe. A religious activity does not just have to, does not just have to be at church. In order to, let me say that again, a religious activity does not just have to be something that you do at church. It can be anything about how you try and make things better between you and God through your own effort. Whereas the opposite is about God's grace. Ephesians 2 is very clear about it. It's through grace we are saved and the faithfulness of God, not through works. Okay? And so in my place, I was doing this through church. You may not be doing that through church. It may be coming in other ways that you might have done this or you are still doing this or praise God if you got freedom from this and you can write that down, the things that you got released of because this is really important. Once again, God through his great mercy chased after me. So, oh wow, he's so good. In 1999, I am married by now to Belinda um, and we head over to the USA oh, oh no they just didn't come up as well as I hoped um, we head over to the USA and we, be, we go to the Vineyard School of Ministry I had not been involved in a vineyard church at that time and so we uh, head over there 
And it's a three-month school, um, and there's so many stories about that. That's not what where I want to go today. You can ask me about that time another uh, personally if you want to. But it's a 360-acre ranch in the high desert of California. Uh, the top left, you can see that's an old farming equipment with a grapevine growing through it. But if you can see the yellow below it, that's pretty much what the ranch looked like for about nine months of the year. Dry. Just really dry. Sagebrush and all those kind of things. Um, in the opposite, there was these magnificent oak trees. Some, they're said to be over 500 years old, some of them. Massive things. Huge things. And um, they obviously give a little bit of green to the ranch, but by and large, it is um, quite dry over there. And we go over there to this place, and I'm in this place where I'm known by my church. I mean, literally, I did not go to any other church. I didn't ask Belinda. She just laughs at it now. I do too now. But she, used to, she couldn't fathom it. Why would you not want to go and visit other people? But I literally did not go to any other church. My own church was my church. That was it. Didn't go. And um, the little park that, uh, right there. Everybody knew me, knew who I was, um, that, how I'd grown up. Suddenly I'm propelled into this situation where no one knows me. No one knows where I've come from. No one knows who I am. No one knows if I'm a good or bad person. They're assuming I'm good. But um, nobody knows anything about me. Now, if you're about doing religious activity and you find your value and your identity in that and you go to a place where no one knows you, there was a fair amount of unrest that came to me really, really quickly. I was not comfortable at all in this very dry place. We were there when it was cold and came out of winter, but into the dry place. And God invited me into this time of these extreme highs in him in terms of intimacy and worship. Never experienced worship, anything like it before, um, and it was just amazing. But then all of a sudden this season would come of real lows and dryness. Now, this sounds weird to say, but God invited me into a desert place where I couldn't do anything to please him or others. Like, it, was, there was, it just wasn't happening. And I was dry, and I could not feel him, and I was crying out to him and desperate, and God invited me into this place where I just had to go for walks. Sounds really theologically deep, doesn't it? I had to go and walk in nature, and I went and watched the sunrise. And all I could watch this sunrise across this 20-mile valley. I'll show you the next slide. Right across, like literally, I'd go and walk, and I'd be looking across that top left one. Shows you the mountain range on the other side. It's about 20, 30 miles wide that valley. Watch the sunrise come up, come up over that valley, and it would not impact me much at all. I had no emotions. That's how dry I was. And you see. That was God's faithfulness to me, though, that he, because of Jesus and what he had done and his faithfulness to me, I knew I could, he knew I could walk through that time and come out the other side because he was pursuing me really hard because he wanted to get rid of this stuff out of my life. And I mean really, he wanted to wrench it out of me because literally that's what he had to do. Fast forward. That's a long journey like that's been happening for a long time. And I come to this church 10 years ago. And I experienced the Holy Spirit like I've never, ever experienced before. 
Now, I'm not talking about shaking and falling down and all those things. I'm meaning the presence of God in me and on me like I'd never, ever experienced before. There was this amazing sense of intimacy and, and my, it's like, again, going back to my childhood, my eyes were being opened once again to this new reality of God and who he is. And that's what he's continually doing. He's always releasing and showing us more and more of who he is and how much he loves us, continually inviting us into the story. And he did that in and through me. I celebrate this church today and all that God has done in it and through it. And I'm so thankful that we came here because I haven't got time to go into it today, but that guy that came out of that church and went overseas to America could not have come into this church and done very well for a long time. Would have taken me a long, 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 long time to get around that. I'd like to think I would have survived it, but, but I was, had other things going on in my life. But God, again, in his mercy and faithfulness to me, gave me grace. And now I'm in a place, and I want to leave you with this scripture. You can write it down. Greg preached on it the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago from Philippians 3, and it's from verses 3, 7 to 11. And the reason why I've told you those three things about my story and I wanted to draw, the Lord, want, I believe, wanted to remind some of you or call some of you into a deeper part of the relationship with him in those areas that those verses, I can understand, Paul, I never killed anybody, but boy, I can understand what he was talking about when he talks about how he did all those religious activities because he wanted to please God. I, I, I get that. I know that. But what he says is, then nothing. They are nothing now. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. And I want to know him personally through his death and his resurrection. I'm, I don't want to do a bad job of paraphrasing it. Read those scriptures and throughout this week and know and understand that God is calling you into a personal relationship through Jesus. He is continually pursuing you more than you will know. And if we will continue to open ourselves up more and more and give him permission, he will not hold back. He will not hold back. He will come to you. He will come after you and he will show himself to be true, to be real and to most of all be loving. He will love on you. And so in Jesus' name, I want to bless each one of you this week as you reflect on your story and the pursuit of God not your pursuit of God, his pursuit of you. His pursuit of you. Maybe stop chasing his heart after him and let him come and love on Let him chase you for a little while and watch what he'll come and do in your life as a result. That Defender song said it, right? And all I did was worship and all I did was pray. All I did was bow down. All I did was remain still. Alleluia, what a saviour. So much better your way. Amen. All right, let's stand. Let's stand together.